the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm Mark Howington, and Youth with a Mission is also known as YWAM. It's an international and interdenominational missions organization. They have bases of operation around the world, and Peter Warren is the director of Youth with a Mission right here in Denver, Peter, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be with you, Mark. Peter, my first question relates to YWAM Denver's impact locally. Now, I know that the organization conducts outreaches right here in the area, so talk about some of those service projects. Yeah, well, YWAM began mainly doing outreaches, evangelism, but then we realized we had to do what we call a two-handed gospel, which is helping people in need. Uh, we do that. We're working with the homeless here in Arvada, uh, where our our center is located, uh, working with uh, several churches in Aurora uh, with food program, and uh, but always looking to, to share the gospel, too, because that's our ultimate uh, goal, is not just to help people physically, but to help them spiritually as well. So I'm going to let our listeners in on a little secret, and that is I was connected with Youth with a Mission back in, uh, was it 1983, 85? Trying to remember. It was 85, 35 years ago. Wow. Okay, so time flies. But I I can remember one of the, as we would go, for example, through the streets of Denver, one of the things that we wanted to do is just show love and compassion to people. I can remember specifically talking with prostitutes on the street and just trying to to just declare the love that God has for them. And, you know, sometimes it was I got various reactions. Sometimes people were open to that and sometimes they weren't. But I think that really is part of the heart of Youth with a Mission is to to show love and compassion to people, especially that love and compassion that comes from God. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, I remember uh, now this isn't locally, but uh, uh, one of the uh, people we were ministering to in North Africa, made a comment, and um, he said, I can't hear you, I'm too hungry. Uh, And meeting those practical needs really opens people up to to the gospel. But sometimes people are resistant. They they don't want to hear. They don't want to listen. And so you can't force someone, and so just move on to someone else. But crisis really does clarify things in our lives, and, and often people that are in need are open to the Lord. So we will talk about crisis in a bit, because you've written a book that's entitled When the Shooting Stopped, Where is God When We Suffer? Talking with Peter Warren, Director of Youth with a Mission right here in Denver. So, Peter, obviously that name, Youth with a Mission, gives a clue to the next question, but who makes up a large part of the volunteers in Youth with a Mission? Well, yes, young people, 18 to 25-year-olds, that's kind of our sweet spot, but uh, this is YWAM's 60th year of existence. Our founder, Lauren Cunningham, is still alive. He's in his 80s. 
a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, you know, but the majority are kids out of high school or college who want to do something for the Lord. Sometimes maybe uh, taking a gap year and giving the Lord their time, they've invested in uh, maybe a, a secular education, and they just want to give the Lord some time, and those are the majority of the people that, that come into YWAM. And they're here usually for, you know, five months to a year. Some then stay on longer. One of the things I also know about Youth with a Mission is they, uh, well, at least I know they used to, I think they still do, offer something called a Crossroads DTS, and we'll talk about what DTS means in a moment. But that's also for folks who maybe later in life they they um, have come to a point where they're like, you know, hey, I'd like to participate too. And so talk about the, the way that older folks perhaps can get involved. Yes. So people that are retirement age, or not even retirement age, but want to do something for God, uh, there's an opportunity for that too. Uh, Like you said, the DTS stands for Discipleship Training School. Everybody that comes into YOM goes through this five-month school, three months living in community, and then two months going on the road overseas. Of course, a lot of that has been put on hold right now. But then, uh, you know, doing something significant for the Lord, there is, Mark, just a Uh, as you know, a tremendous reward when you get to serve others. You're not getting paid for it. You're just ministering to the Lord through ministering to others. And it's it's very rewarding. So people of all ages uh, have that opportunity. We talked about some of the opportunities that you have working with the poor, for example, doing food distribution, uh, caring for those who are on the streets right here in the Denver area. But I know YWAM's history also has to do with reaching out internationally. I, I know that uh, YWAMers, as they're called, have gone, for example, to refugee camps, and they've, they've helped uh, ease suffering there and meeting people's needs. Talk a little bit about the international flavor of Youth with a Mission. Well, yeah, that's correct. So, you know, YWAM is over 20,000 full-time staff in uh, what we call bases or operating locations. There's <clears throat> about 1,500 of them around the world. And so uh, there are many opportunities in those locations. Uh, the majority of YWAM today is is not Western in nature, but it's it's in the developing world, in places like India and uh, Thailand and Brazil. And so, uh, and, and what's amazing is many of these young people in those nations then will travel to other nations where they're accepted, whereas Westerners are not as accepted in some of those places. But there are so many needs uh, out there. Uh, you know, we have, we have poverty in America, but it's it's comparative poverty. You know, the poverty line is something like people earning below $12,000 a year. Well, you go to other nations, people are making a dollar a day. Uh, so it's there's abject poverty and there's comparative poverty. There's a lot of abject poverty out there in the nations and tremendous needs and the opportunity to, to minister to people. It's, it's, uh, uh, it, it's a huge huge opportunity for us. Yeah, one of the things that I I think as we think about missions, we do think about over there, and yet you're here in Denver. So talk about establishing youth with a mission here in Denver, and then my next question after that is going to be to talk about the schools that you operate. Yeah, well, um, 
YWAM is funded by uh, people who believe in what we're doing. Uh, we don't pay salaries. We're all volunteers from the founder all the way down to the youngest missionary. Uh, all of us are supported uh, through uh, through churches and friends. Uh, we came out to Denver. I just felt a mandate from the Lord. Uh, my wife and I thought we were going overseas and as we prayed, you know how it is, sometimes the Lord says, well, I got something different in mind. And he led us to come out here to Denver with a little team of five people. Uh, we basically rented uh, space in some apartments in Aurora and ran our first discipleship training school. You were in that school. I think we had 10 students and we went to Mexico on outreach. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what your question was. I might have got diverted there. A no, that's a, no. You're doing doing well. It's uh, so these schools. Then let's talk about them because yes. part of part of what we need to get to is we need to paint the picture of what these schools are like. Because your book, in part, got started with a tragedy that happened at one of your schools, but we'll get to there later. Right now, just describe what kinds of schools you operate in Youth with a Mission here in Denver. Yes, well, uh, different types of programs uh, that um, the main one is the Discipleship Training School. It's the entry program into Youth with a Mission. But all of our training schools are part of a university called the University of the Nations. We have many different focuses and and programs uh, related to social issues, related to what we talked about, helping the poor and needy. But to begin with, really at its essence is to know God and make him known. You can't make God known effectively until you know him. And so uh, uh, coming to this primary school, which is called the Discipleship Training School, it is essentially living in a community setting. Um, we don't share everything in common, but we eat meals together. We uh, have worship and teaching together and uh, and training. And then we go uh, overseas uh, most of the time to uh, to be able to reach out to others. That's the essential core of YWAM. A lot of the other programs, secondary programs, are more specific in nature, but really that's the most important one and the entry program in a YWAM. I'm going to just say a word picture that is not necessarily what YWAM is, but it might help a listener who doesn't quite get the picture understand it's kind of like a boarding school. In other words, it, it, what I mean by that is that the students who come, and again, you, you mentioned it's 18 to 25 is kind of your target volunteer, uh, they actually come and live on campus with the other students, and then faculty come in and they, they teach the classes to the students. So when you say community, I want the listener to understand that these this is a very close, it's almost like a family, it's a very close-knit school, but uh, they literally kind of live, work, and, and learn together. Did I, Does that sound like an accurate picture? Yes. Yes, it is. And you've experienced it personally, Mark, so, so you know. <clears throat> My wife often says, uh, YWAM is like uh, a hotel, a restaurant, and a Bible school all in one. All wrapped so up into one. Come to live here. They eat. We eat meals together. We get to know God in a deeper way together, uh, and and then we, uh, uh, you know, we we put that into practice uh, 
by going. So, yeah, that's, that's a good description of it. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to set the scene of what this school is and what life is like in these schools is there was a tragedy, unfortunately, that happened in the school. That, In fact, it was uh, back in December of 2007. Talk about the tragedy that happened. Yeah, well, a former student uh, who had backslidden, he turned away from God, um, uh, really developed uh, an animosity toward God and the church and, uh, you know, had some some issues personally in his life. Uh, but he came uh, to YWAM uh, late not, at night on a, um, a Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh, his plan, uh, the detectives tell us, was to commit a massacre. He had a lot of ammunition, different weapons. Uh, he was not allowed to stay the night. Our hospitality coordinator said, you can't just stay the night without permission. Uh, and he pulled out a, a, a 9 millimeter pistol and fired 15 rounds, shooting her and three other staff. <clears throat> and um, two of them died uh, that night. It was is a very tragic situation through our whole community into turmoil. Uh, the next day he went and he fled, went home. The next day he went to Colorado Springs, uh, repeated a similar type of thing, shot about 15 people, killing two girls, and was confronted by a security guard who uh, shot him. And uh, I'm not sure if he ended up taking his own life or if, uh, if one of her bu- bullets killed him, but he... He died. Uh, but, you know, why do these things happen? Uh, and so that, for me, uh, led me to to write this book, because, I mean, how can something like this happen in a Christian ministry? And, and more importantly, why would God allow it to happen? As I've traveled around the world, I find this is the main question, especially young people have, is if God is just... Uh, why do bad things happen in the world? If he was truly just, bad things would only happen to bad people, they reason. If God is love, as the Bible claims, why is there so much suffering? And so it led me, uh, originally I was just going to write the story of the shootings and some amazing things that came out from that, but the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I want you to look at all the different types of suffering that occur and to defend my character um, and so, so it took me two years, Mark, to, to, to write, and I, I narrowed it down to 10 different sources of suffering. Uh, the, the shootings fit under the area of human selfishness. God, God gave us freedom to choose right from wrong, good from evil. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this young man uh, chose to, to do something evil, uh, but... Uh, that, that is, in essence, <clears throat> what the book is about. Talking with Peter Warren, he's the director of Youth with a Mission here in Denver, wrote the book called When the Shooting Stopped, Where is God When We Suffer? Peter, you mentioned several things that you cover in your book. I'm just going to look at the table of contents. I wish we had time to talk about all of these, but you talk about selfishness, which you just mentioned, the fall of man, the decay of the earth, ignorance, disregard for the laws of nature, the kingdom of darkness, God's divine testing, God's judgment on sin, when God doesn't intervene, and then you you close it with those who give their lives, and then you're not home yet. That was a very touching uh, last uh, end of the chapter. 
But, uh, Peter, as, as we talk about some of this, what, what would you say are some of the most important conclusions that you have made in the book as you, we think about the table of contents? You, you mentioned you have traveled, you've spoken to many uh, people who have this question, why did this happen? So talk about some of what, what is the most stirring thing that you think you learned from writing the book? Well, a few things stand out. I think one of the biggest ones is why why doesn't God step in when there's suffering? And I don't know if we have the time to go into all of that, but uh, a big one is human selfishness that I mentioned. Um, why did God create humans with the ability to be selfish? And I, I, what I argue in the book is that God created us to be free. Uh, there needed to be one tree in the Garden of Eden that was forbidden, not because God wanted Adam and Eve to eat from that, but it needed to exist for freedom to exist. And uh, for a love relationship to exist, it, it must be possible to choose against it. Uh, and, and so the fact that God gave us a, the ability to love him and others by the same token gives us the ability to choose the opposite. And when people choose the opposite, there's suffering. I, w- I would say, Mark, um, most of the suffering in the world from where I stand, most of it comes from human selfishness. The reason we have human trafficking, over 30 million slaves in the world, mostly working in unventilated sweatshops, most of them, 90% of them are women and children. Uh, the reason we have poverty and war, and, uh, and, and many of these things are a result of human selfishness, because when some people take more than they need, others lack. Uh, there's more than enough for all of us to have land and food and just everything in this world today. Even double the population of the world, there's enough for all of us. That's, that's probably the main reason. But there are many other reasons. Uh, one of them is when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, and, and I, I don't believe this was uh, what God wanted. Uh, I mean, God stacked the deck for Adam and Eve. Uh, right? He only gave them one bad option. They could have eaten from any tree in the garden, and it would have been fine. They chose the one that that broke off their relationship with God. And from that moment on, uh, two main things happen. Our bodies uh, are dying because we were separated from the tree of life, uh, and the earth is in a process of decay. Uh, the explanation the Bible puts forth is that this is the reason that our bodies are dying. All of us are dying as a result of sin. The, the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. And the, uh, the planet is decaying, Romans 8 tells us, decaying under the weight of sin, groaning and decaying under the weight of sin. And so we have, we have natural disasters. I mean, think about this. There were no precipitation-based natural disasters in the Garden of Eden because the ground was watered through fountains that came up from the deep and a mist that would come down. Then after the flood, the canopy above the earth collapsed. And, but prior to that time, we didn't have any droughts or hailstorms or floods or most of the natural disasters are precipitation-based. That didn't exist uh, at the beginning. Uh, people blame God. You know, insurance companies call these acts of God. Uh, but is it really God who is to blame? And uh, I, I look at all of this through the lens of Scripture, because to me, 
the Bible is the Word of God, and, and anything that's important we have to look at through the lens of His Word. Uh, so, uh, you know, the earth is decaying, our bodies are in the process of dying, and uh, then there are things like plagues and other, other things that have come as a result. Uh, you know, I don't think many of these things existed and even if they did, because of the tree of life, if man ate from the tree of life, it would regenerate life and eradicate all cancer and disease and everything else from his body. So these are just two or three of them. Uh, but obviously, it's, it's a very in-depth uh, exegesis on the Word of God and explanation for some of these things. Of course, uh, just let me say, uh, there are some things that don't have any explanation, and we we have to come to a place ultimately of trusting God and saying, you know, this doesn't make sense, but I believe you, Lord, uh, even though I don't understand. But there are many things that actually are explained in his word. You know, I was thinking of, uh, as you were talking of COVID, COVID uh, exhibits a lot of these selfishness. I mean, do I dare say toilet paper shortages when we talk about COVID? You know, the decay of the earth, obviously, a, you mentioned plagues, and that certainly I think COVID fits that. And the disregard for the laws of nature is one of your chapter. And, it, you know, disease at this time in our lives is part of part of nature. And, and then, uh, you know, the kingdom of darkness is one of the chapters that you mentioned. Certainly, I cannot think of any a source for disease except for the enemy of our souls satan himself and then but yeah at the same time god can use it for testing and for judgment yeah. uh, you know i was yeah. I, i've often wondered okay god what are you teaching us through this covid virus in terms of how we need to behave or act or, or trust in in the divine and i'm hoping that people are being led to call upon the name of god through through this epidemic, pandemic that we're going through. One, one of the things that, as we are down to about three minutes, Peter, uh, talk about then, we've talked about a lot of the problems, talk about the answers. Well, just let me say then uh, one thing, and that is, you know, God ultimately always wants to bless and bring life. Uh, when God has visited the earth through revival, Sometimes it's because people are willing to repent. That was the case with Nineveh. They repented, and God relented. He changed his mind. He didn't bring the disaster that had been prophesied through the prophet Jonah. Um, but sometimes God has to bring some kind of calamity to turn us back to him. There's something about our human nature that we become self-sufficient, and we forget about God. And God, this happened to the children of Israel, too. And God's no, like the Apostle Paul said, God is no uh, respecter of persons, and he has certain standards that are true for all of us. From where I stand, Mark, this plague, I think, is satanic, just because uh, it, as a missionary and a missionary trainer, it has limited what we can do in missions. It, and I'm just praying there'd be a solution. But but what what is the solution? Well, uh, let me take us back then to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Uh, repentance. I don't know what the future holds, but I, I know that one thing that impacts the future is when people repent. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, uh, God says, if my people who are called by my name. So how do you get a whole nation to repent? How do you get the world to repent? You don't. It's the church. It's my people. 
And he says, then I will heal their land. And the key to this is found in the previous verse. 2 Chronicles 7.13 says, when there's a drought, and it goes on, it says there's other things, and there is a plague. Look it up in the NIV. It says, when there is a plague. He says, but if my people who are called by my name will turn from their evil ways and pray, I will heal their land. I believe, Mark, that is the key. Uh, it's the church. It's the church. It's, it's us turning from our evil ways. God will heal our land. Thanks, Peter Warren. We're talking with Peter Warren. He's the author of a book, When the Shooting Stopped, Where is God When We Suffer? Peter, uh, this book, is it a, where is it available? How can people get it? Well, the best way, uh, for some reason, I got blacklisted by Amazon, and they won't put it on there. I paid for it twice, but my website, peterwarrenministries.com, uh, is the best way. It's on audio. If someone wants to listen to it, can be downloaded. It's on digital, for, in a digital form, or they can order it. Uh, PeterWarrenMinistries.com, and the book is When the Shooting Stopped. Okay, again, that's Peter Warren, P-E-T-E-R-W-A-R-R-E-N.com, you said? Ministries. Ministries. Ministries.com. Peter Warren Ministries.com, especially since it's not on Amazon. Just wanted to make sure we got that out. Peter, I just want to say thank you. It's as, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, I was in uh, Youth with a Mission as well back in 30 some odd years ago, back in 1985. So it's been good to catch up with you about your book and, and just so appreciate you being a part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.